Good morning. Uh, my name is Travis Stevens, and uh, it is a, a privilege to be with you all this morning. Um, actually, as Steve was saying, I, I was a center student uh, years ago. I graduated in 2008, and uh, Coach Fry actually wrote me a, uh, a Christmas card as, when he was recruiting me to come here, and that's probably why I came. So uh, that Christmas card probably uh, led to us pastoring a church in Richmond. So uh, it's a pretty cool um, story that I've gotten to be a part of, and even just coming here, that, you know, Grace used to host a thing for the football team, and I came to that and uh, met Shane and... Uh, Dr. Ellis, and some men that really have been like fathers to me uh, in my life, and so just thankful uh, to get to be with you on this Father's Day. Uh, I would say that Father's Day for most people is a pretty complex uh, day. I, I think that, like my mic is pretty complex too, um, but for, for so many of us, it really represents uh, a lot, you know, that Father's Day can re represent a, a painful reminder. Uh, so for me, this, this Father's Day in particular marks 20 years of Father's Days that I haven't had my dad. My dad passed away uh, when I was in high school, and, uh, and, and I had a dad that I, I, I loved and who I know, knew loved me. Maybe Father's Day for, for you reminds... Um, you that we you never had a dad um, that loved that loved you or provided for you or who said that he was sorry um, when his sin splattered on on you. For others, it's a painful reminder of a strained relationship we have um, with our fathers who are still in our lives, but we know that that relationship is broken. Or may, or maybe this day reminds you those of you who who are fathers of the many many failures you've experienced in raising your own children. And for some of you, um, this is a, a holiday is a great is a reminder of all the great men in your life. All right, better? Okay. Sorry. Y'all were going to suffer this morning, <laughs> this morning with that. Uh, there we go. That's better. Um, I was just saying that, that it, for some of you, this is a great, uh, a great memory. You know, it's, it represents it a great reminder of maybe a grandfather who supported you. Uh, maybe it was your own dad, um, despite his, his brokenness. Um, or that seemed to be all around us, you did have a good, seemed like you did have a good uh, father. Or maybe it's a mentor that filled in some gaps for you, um, for your father where, where he missed. And so for many of us, this day reminds us of the joy um, we have in, in marrying a good father or in being proud of our kids or grandkids. So it's impossible for, I think, for me um, to, to sit up here and to meet each of you individually where God has you um, in this story of fatherhood. But I think that his spirit and his word um, will do that in the reality of our Heavenly Father. Um, that really is the thing that, 
that covers all uh, of, of how we're coming into this. And so my prayer is that God would meet each of us this morning. No matter how you're coming into church today, I pray that the Lord would, would heal you, um, he would be with you, and he'd fill you with the joy of the gospel. His compassionate presence, the great privilege we have to call him Father, and the promise of his love being the thing that would bless the next generation. So let me pray and ask the Lord to do that now. Lord, we are thankful for to be in the house of your worship, to gather together, to assemble as your church, and to declare these things that are too high and holy for any of us. God, we thank you that we get to call you Father. That through what Jesus did on the cross for us, we call you our Father. Heal us, each of us, um, in all the ways that we need to be met this morning. And I pray that this would be a joyful holiday. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I, I chose Psalm 103, and it was cool because I was at uh, General Assembly this week with Shane and Kevin, and uh, Shane was already planning on doing Psalm 103 for the assurance, so uh, it was neat how that lined up. But I'm, there's a lot of ser- sermons that could come from this, just that one psalm. It's, um, it's a really beautiful psalm. Uh, but just looking at it, I, I'm just looking at verse 13 through 18, and so if you um, want to follow an outline, I've got three points Um, The first one is our merciful Father. We'll see that in verse 13 through 14. It's our merciful Father. Um, Secondly, our condition in verse 15 to 16. And then our hope for the next generation in verse 17 through 18. So first we'll start out with our merciful Father. So verse 13 and 14. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. And as I said, this is a really beautiful psalm. Uh, In verse 3, we get all these benefits of our salvation. Uh, In verse 3, he says he forgives all our iniquity. Uh, It says he heals all our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And then in verse 8, you get this this refrain that is the central confession uh, in the, all of the Old Testament, about who God is. It says that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That same thing is repeated in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, Nehemiah 9, Psalm 86, Jonah 4, Joel 2. That is the character of God. He is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. This was the thing that the people of God would cling to when they were wanting to understand why is this happening? Or will he uh, judge me? Will I be able to overcome this? They clung to this, this verse that's repeated in verse, verse 8 leading into this passage. And then we get this picture of God, uh, the immeasurable love of God. He says that it's as high as the heavens are above the earth. Uh, it's it's unfathomable how big that really is, his love for us. And then he says he's cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Well, I don't know about you, but you start going east, and you keep going east, and you'll end up in the west. 
it's, it's, it's meant to be to show his magnitude, his great, great uh, love and forgiveness. And then he turns to an illustration to drive home the point and further illustrate the aspect of God's compassion and mercy. And he turns to fatherhood. Um, I don't know about you, but that's kind of an odd uh, shift, <laughs> you know, to go from this just grand picture of how much he loves God and how much the love of God fills us, how he's cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, and then he turns to a humanly thing, fatherhood. He says that, that it's like a father and that God's compassion toward his people is compared to the way that a father is compassionate toward his children. That fatherhood is the illustration and understanding who God is. That word that's translated compassion is, is also, it really means mercy. It can get kind of confusing because he uses mercy quite a bit in this passage too. Uh, but it's Ram. And that same word is used in verse 4 for mercy, verse 8 for mercy, and then twice in verse 13. And, and there it's, it says compassion. What it really means is it's to show mercy toward someone. It's to take pity on them, to show love, to have feelings and actions uh, of kindness and concern towards someone's difficulty. It's to remember, this week I was with my kids, and we were going, uh, we had this little, like, hidden, it's an it's a ecological area, it's right off EKU's campus, and I just call it the farm, uh, just because I want my kids to feel like we own it. So we drive, <laughs> we drive to this place, and uh, there's this pool, and there's these tadpoles in it. And the, the first thing that my kids do is there's, there's like some uh, green moss or something that's growing on top of it. And they want me to catch these tadpoles. And the first thing they do is they just go whoosh like that and just start spl- slash, uh, you know, splashing the water. And I'm like, guys, you're never going to catch a tadpole. <laughs> that's not how you do this. You have to come in like gentle and just kind of like swoop that away and then look for them and get them. And I, I got, like, frustrated. This is yesterday, so I'm living my fatherhood dream. And I still, I, I had to remember, I'm like, I'm about to preach on this passage about remembering <laughs> and being compassionate. And I was like, oh, I got to remember what it was like to be five and seven and three. You know, like, you didn't just walk up and gently move some moss away. You, like, came in and splashing and trying to grab the tadpole, you know. And, uh, but that's what God is. He's, he's passionate. He's compassionate. He's tender with us. Um, he's merciful. And he knows us. He knows our, our situation. Um, he knows us before we knew ourselves. He remembers that, um, our nature. He remembers our situation, that we're dust, that we're finite, that our lives are brief. Augustine says, says this. He says, he knows what he has created, how it has fallen, how it may be repaired, how it may be adopted, and how it may be enriched. That he remembers us. I, I was talking to my, uh, my daughter, um, who's seven, the other day, and we were talking about, like, I've known you for a long time. And she, I was telling her about, like, the day she was born. And it's just, like, my, like blowing her mind that she, I knew her before she had memories of herself. <laughs> and that's the way God loves us. He's known us before we knew ourselves. Um, that's the way that he is, is, uh, is aware of who we are, aware of our situation. But as I said, I, 
I think this is, I, I'm, maybe I'm the only one that's surprised by God, uh, God's word here, by him drawing the parallel to fatherhood. Um, I know that it's universally felt, and I know that, um, that that's true, but doesn't it represent a lot of brokenness? I mean, I think everyone in this room has some sort of broken relationship, with, either with their father or with their kids, um, with other people uh, who have represented fathers in their faith or uh, a mentor. But I think God does it this way for two reasons. The first one is this. Fathers represent a place of power and authority and strength. Yet when you see a father tenderly holding an infant, a, a, a newborn, it's a picture of God tenderly holding his children. And that memory is something that he carries with him all the days of his life. Even though this delicate little child who will not remember this moment, <laughs> he, the father always will. He remembers and knows that child's situation. And his strength is beautifully coupled with tenderness. And I think that's why God uses this illustration to describe what his love is like for his people. It's a father holding that baby. Secondly, I think that this picture of God as a father will end up being the heartbeat of the new covenant. I think this is something that we take for granted all the time, that we get to call God our Father. Uh, the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father who, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That we address him as our Father because we have Jesus as our brother. That you are loved by God no less than this, the exact way that God loves Jesus. And that's unbelievably powerful but oftentimes we just glad, like graze right past that yeah he's our father God our father we baptize uh, people in the name of the father uh, but the fact that we get to call God our father is unbelievable um, the Old Testament even though this passage it, it represents it talks about fatherhood it doesn't use the name father for God very often um, we get a shadowy picture in the Old Testament, and then we get to the New Covenant and with Jesus as our brother, and now this picture of fatherhood comes into cl clarity, that we can approach God now with, the, with boldness and confidence as children of God because of the grace of our Lord Jesus. And so this picture of God as our merciful Father is the only way that we can approach uh, life with confidence, knowing that he loves us and he cares for us. And so I, I think by way of application, um, we're, we're not going to do this perfectly. We're not going to be perfect fathers. We're not going to be perfect mothers or friends or any of that. But I think we have to remember the way that God deals with us. When we interact with, in every relationship, we have to remember that God has been merciful to us. He's been compassionate to us. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That that's the way that he has made us his ambassadors. He's made us the ambassadors of his character. And we are to bend that same love into a world that desperately needs it. But we don't do it perfectly. Um, and, and that's why we need the gospel. We need the forgiveness of Christ. Um, I went to the summer project with Campus Outreach a couple of weeks ago uh, to give the talk about the church, and so I was 
um, there. And while I was there, I decided to take my kids to Disney for a day. Uh, and I, you know, I, I have you know little kids, and so I'm like, the youngest one's not going to remember it, but the oldest one, this it's still very magical still. And I'm going to go, and we're going to do the Disney thing. So we go there. We have like the best day at Disney. You know, it's just like we're crushing Disney. You know, and. I told my wife at one point, I was like, we're, we're killing it. We've gotten on all these, these rides that are long. We're doing them fast. The kids are having a ball. It was the, the perfect day, all right? So we get to the end of the day, and there's a fireworks show. And earlier in the day, I had signed up, you know, just not really knowing, but I signed up for this ride called Tron. Uh, it's a new ride at, at, at Disney. And I didn't really think I'd even really get on throughout the day, but somehow I, we got entered in, and we're, we're doing Tron. Uh, well, then I find out my whole family can't do Tron, just I can do Tron. <laughs> everybody, everybody else is too short to do Tron. Uh, so I, uh, it's right around the time of the fireworks. It's right as the fireworks are happening. And I tell, I'm texting my friend, and he says, dude, you got to do it. You got to go. You got to go do Tron. So my daughter says, Dad, this was the best day ever. She told me this right as I'm leaving. <laughs> She said, Dad, this is the best day ever, and it's the best day because you are such a great dad, and you've made this such a great day for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is why we came, <laughs> you know, for this moment right here. And, of course, I leave. And I go, and I get there, and it's a long line. Like, it's not something I'm going to be able to get back to the fireworks show in time for. So I'm in line, and I get a call from Emily, and she says, uh, yeah, the kids are having the most magical moment of the entire day. Uh, uh, sorry, but you're missing it. <laughs> and uh, my son gets on the phone. He's three, and he says, Dad, where are you? Why have you left us? <laughs> and I was like, oh, awesome, buddy. Uh, and then I find out that my other daughter doesn't want to talk to me right now <laughs> and will not get on the phone. I was like, oh, this is great decision, buddy. And so I get done, and I run to the front of the park. They're waiting for me. Obviously, I've left them now. And I, the other two are asleep because it's so, it's the, it's the day's dr drug on so long. And my daughter, my oldest, I, I just like give her a big hug, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And while I'm in line, I'm preaching to myself this, this, this passage. I'm saying, God, you are a good father. <laughs> I've blown it with these kids. I've missed this moment for them. I'm so sorry. Uh, but will you make up for my deficiencies as a dad? And, and I get up there, and I get to her, and I give her a hug, and, she, and I said, I'm so sorry. Will you, will you please forgive me? Expecting her to be like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, or you missed it or, or something. And she says, Dad, I love you so much. I'm just glad you're okay, and I'm glad you're here. Don't even, and she kept saying, don't even worry about it. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> that, but, but that's what God does for us in fatherhood. He forgives us even when we, uh, we make big mistakes. He, and I know Disney's not the big, biggest mistake. But it felt big for me at the time. And so we have a God who's merciful, slow, to uh, anger and abounding in steadfast love. Secondly is our condition. Verse 15 and 16. So he remembers that, he says, as for man, 
His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. Um, Psalm 102, right before this passage, says that our days pass by like an evening shadow. James 4, 14 says that life is, is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. And so God knows um, everything about us. As that child knew, as that father knows his child before they know themselves, God knows us. And he remembers who he's dealing with. He remembers our lot in life. He remembers that we're creatures who are beautiful, like a flower of the field, but also brief. And uh, it reminded me of this, this movie, Dennis the Menace, from 1993. I don't know if anybody's watched that. Um, it's the one with Walter Matthau. Uh, and he's Mr. Wilson. And Mr. Wilson has this orchid that blooms every 40 years. Okay? And so he's had to, has this party for everyone to come and to see this orchid bloom. And it blooms, like, at night, at, like, 9 o'clock at night. So he's got all the neighbors, all his gardening friends there. And uh, as, right as it's about to bloom, uh, Dennis the Menace says, Mr. Wilson, you're getting robbed. And then now everyone turns and, and, like, and leaves, and everyone misses the bloom. And so then it blooms and wilts, <laughs> like, immediately. And it's so funny <laughs> that this happens. Uh, but Mr. Wilson's really upset uh, because he missed it. Uh, because it, its glory was beautiful, and then it was gone. And that's the picture that we get here in, in this, this passage, is that life really does feel sometimes like it's really beautiful, but it's also really brief. Um, you blink, and you miss it. And I would say one of my, seriously, most gut-level fears in life is that I will wake up one day and, and think, where did my life go? Or... Man, it went by faster than I ever could have dreamed. Uh, and this passage, honestly, is the hope. It provides the hope for that fear. The hope is found in that Jesus does know that that's our future, is to have a really brief life and for it to be over. But he looked upon us with compassion and didn't leave us in our helpless estate. He entered in to our frailty. He took on flesh himself. He occupied time and space that we may not fear wasting our lives or missing the flower bloom. He became dust that we might become immortal. That is your lot in life, Christian, is that through faith in Christ, he is now our father who's compassionate toward us. And while our lives are brief, this is not the end of our lives. That we will bloom again because he came and died for us. And that's the hope that we have. And that hope is found in the hope that we have for the next generation, for ourselves and for who's to come next. And so the, the last point is this, our hope for the next generation, verse 17 and 18. It says, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commands. When David wrote this psalm, he, he was reminded of the psalm of Moses in, in Psalm 90, where he says, Before the mountains were brought forth, 
Forever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This word steadfast love um, here to describe the love of the Lord, it's hesed. And this, this word is, uh, appears 286 times in the Old Testament. So it's clearly a theme when we describe who God is. It really refers to his loyal love. Um, it's found in 4, 8, 11, and 17. Uh, it's his unfailing kindness and generosity. It's his devotion and enduring commitment. It's, uh, it's an act of, of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. It is, it's found in Psalm 51 when it says, have mercy on me according to your steadfast love. And one of the, the, one of the most neat things that I realized in seminary uh, when I was, I was reading the Ten Commandments, and I get to the Second Commandment, uh, and it's Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6. And in verse, verse 5, it says that he visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That there is a reality that all of us live in. And that's that we are experiencing the, the uh, guilt, really, of our father's sins. They've been passed on to us through family systems, through the way that we've been sinned against from our, our mothers and fathers. And that God promises that that is a, is a principle, is that he will judge and that sin will... Uh, splatter. It will affect the next generation. But then in verse 6 it says this, but showing steadfast love, same word, to the thousands. And if you look in your Bible, there's a little asterisk there and it says, to, or the thousandth generation. And so you, you see right here, even in the, the, the Old Testament, the pronouncement of, these, of this principle that our, our, we will be affected by our father's sin and yet you, you see this, this seed of grace. His steadfast love will be showed to the thousandth generation. And so the blessing that we get from righteousness is also much greater than the curse that we get from the sins of our fathers. And this word, hesed, this, this steadfast love, um, it has a, a New Testament corollary. So if you read the Greek translation of the Old Testament, so Greek is the New Testament language, uh, Hebrew is the, old, is the Old Testament. When you, the, the word that's translated for that same hesed is found in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand and it, that we should walk in them. This word, mercy, but God being rich in mercy, it's his hesed, it's his steadfast love. It's his loyal love. He will not uh, balk on this. He is completely committed to us. He's completely committed to keeping his covenant with us. And that's how we can rest. That's how we can have peace, is that the love of the Lord is steadfast, unfailing, from everlasting to everlasting. Only he is able to keep us from falling, sustaining us until the end of our days and blessing the next generation. And that's the God that we serve this morning. We serve a heavenly father who's merciful to us, who loves us, who knows our condition. And in his compassion, he became dust for us. And he went to the cross and he saved us from our sins so that we may never have to taste the sting of eternal death. That our, we will all experience death, but it will be momentary. That the Westminster Confession of Faith says that the saints lie in their graves, they, they rest, they sleep in their graves awaiting the new heavens and the new earth. And so that's why we can call out to our Father who's, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the God that we talk to, and that's the Father that each of us have. And so no matter what faults you've made yourself or how you've been uh, the recipient of someone else's faults, you can know that you have a heavenly Father that loves you who's committed to you, who will not give up on you. He has steadfast love. He knows you fully, and he loves you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are so kind to us, that we have a brother in Jesus who's not ashamed to call us his brother. And how great it is that we get to be called the children of God. Father, I pray for these weary saints that you would fill them with your love, your steadfast love that isn't like us, isn't like our brief life but is from everlasting to everlasting. God, grant us the courage to, to obey your covenants, to remember what you've taught us, and to fear you, to revere you with our lives. But God, we come before you with boldness and courage, knowing that Christ has paid the penalty for all of our failings. And he who began a good work in us, will carry it forth to completion, to the day of Christ Jesus. So we long and look for that day when our Father, who's in heaven, will come and be with us again. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.